can you believe it's Christmas Eve? It, uh, it, it's strange, isn't it, how quickly it rolls round. That means tomorrow morning is Christmas Day. That is the razor-sharp insight that you receive at CFM. <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow is Christmas and it comes around really quickly. And I wonder, as we just uh, going to open our Bibles for a few moments, I wonder if I could just ask you to do something. I wonder if you could just take a big, deep breath. Just take Nothing strange is going to happen. I'm not going to ask you to do anything after that. But just, take a, just take a big, deep breath. How are you doing this Christmas? How are you doing this Christmas? I wonder if there are a few of us here who were here physically, but there is so much going on in our hearts and in our minds that it's hard to be here in in any other way. I wonder if your mind is thinking about food that needs to be prepared or perhaps uh, organisation or things that need to be sorted. Maybe it's things to do with family, um, conversations that have been had or are going to be had, or maybe some uncertainty. Maybe just naturally our minds start reflecting back over this year. And different things come to, to our minds and hearts. Maybe it's not what's happened, but what could have happened. Maybe it's things that didn't happen that we hoped might happen. I wonder what it is that's racing through our hearts and minds this morning as we hurtle towards Christmas. Last week was uh, was beautiful, wasn't it? If you, if you were here and you got to see the, the children present the Christmas story, they did the, the kind of traditional nativity up here and and uh, kind of explained it and explored it with us. It was It was beautiful. But I wonder if this morning, I wonder if, if what's going on in your story seems a long way away from what was going on in that story. I wonder if all this about shepherds and wise men and angels and, and the baby in a manger, I wonder if it seems somehow distant from the present realities of, of what's going off in our own hearts and lives. What I'd like us to do for a few moments this morning is to, to look back at this perhaps really well-known story and just, just marvel again at what it, what, what it is and what it means and what it shows us. I'd like us to pray again as we begin. So we're not just going through the motions of a, of a talk on Christmas Eve. But we're asking the living God, we're asking the living God to, to remind us, or maybe for the first time to show us, what is this all about and why does it matter? Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for us, each one this morning, Lord, I There is so much happening in and around. And Father, I pray that as we sit here in the warmth, as we sit still for a few moments, Father, I pray that you'll help us to fix our eyes upon you. Lord, I pray that you would 
reveal yourself to us as we open your word. Father, we just want to give you these minutes because they're precious. Father, please please speak to us for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here's what we're going to to do. We're going to remind ourselves of this Christmas story and just see how it fits into the, the biggest story of the Bible. And we're going to look at four things quickly. <laughs> the first one is a lot longer than the others because it's the Christmas part. So if, you, if you're getting worried, don't worry. The, the, the other three go quicker. And, and we're going to use as an anchor, as a foundation, um, a verse that's been quoted already. And it's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And Isaiah is a prophet looking ahead to the birth of Jesus. Hundreds of years before, talking about what this child is going to be like. And he says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Here's the first thing I want us to to think about. That in Christmas we think of Jesus Coming to our place. Jesus coming to our place. I wonder what your home looks like on a normal day, you know, if there is such a thing. I wonder if your home is one of those where everything has its set place and it always lives there. I wonder if your home is one where most things generally have a place and they live there sometimes. Or maybe your home is lived in. And things find their place wherever they end up. But whatever our home looks like, often, if somebody's coming round to our place, we'll tidy it up a bit. We'll try and make it look as nice as it can. And that might mean sweeping everything up and putting it all in one room and locking the door and not thinking about it for a while. I wonder what it's like as you invite somebody to your place. The wonder of the Christmas story is that God has stepped into our world. He's come to to our place, as it were. And often, our place isn't a pretty sight. Often, there's, 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 there's very difficult, messy, painful, challenging stuff that's going on in our place. And Jesus stepping into our place is saying, God isn't stood at a distance with his arms folded, saying, will you get your act together? But he's saying, let me come and meet you in your place. Isaiah says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. This baby who is born in uh, Bethlehem and placed in a manger is not an ordinary baby, but he is God, the son This is the remarkable claim of Christmas. That God who is from all eternity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that God the Son, the second member of the Godhead, steps into this messy and broken world. The the word we use is incarnation. It literally means to take on flesh. God himself has taken on flesh. He's come into our world. And this is, it's remarkable. A a child is born. It speaks of his humanity. It's his beginning as, as, as a human, as a person. 
Jesus is fully man, but he's also fully God. A child is given, a son is given, excuse me. That Jesus' story doesn't begin in Bethlehem, but he is from all eternity. And this is what is so remarkable about Christmas, is it's saying that God has stepped into a messy and broken world. This is how John describes it in his gospel. He says, the word became flesh. The word being a a title for Jesus. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. This should just blow us away. It's truly remarkable. God has taken on flesh and made his home, made his dwelling among us. Literally, that make his dwelling among us is he tabernacled among us. In other words, he pitched his tent among our tents. This is what is so incredible. So that baby Jesus, as he's lying in a manger, has a heavenly father who is above all things, a heavenly Father who who is who has made all things, who's been always there from eternity and will always be, who is above the whole cosmos. Some people who are, who are uh, mathematicians who are incredibly smart and, and talk of things I don't understand say that there might be as many as ten dimensions. I, I can't even get my head around that. This is a God who is above all. And this is, the, this, is, this is the Lord Jesus. This is his father. But also, remarkably, now he has a mother who is probably a teenage peasant girl. I mean, that is, that is remarkable. That is God stepping into our place in such a humble and beautiful way. And who is this, this baby who's born? Well, Isaiah gives us these four titles for for what he is or what he's going to be like. He's the wonderful counsellor. A counsellor who's never lost for things to say. He's never searching for wisdom, for he is wisdom. He's he's not um, having to ask us questions about things that have happened because he knows all that's happened. He knows all. He's not searching for what's going on. He knows what's going on. He's not unavailable. He's always available. He doesn't charge massive rates. He's, he's, he's made himself available for those who seek him. He truly is the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. This is what Paul writes about the Lord Jesus in Colossians chapter 1. He says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. (laughs) This is the baby that is lying in a manger. He is the mighty God. He's everlasting father. He's, he's, from, he's eternal, he's from everlasting, yet has the characteristics not of a tyrant, of a father, of a good father, 
a one who loves and cares and seeks to provide and is strong but tender. This is what he's like. He's the Prince of Peace. A beautiful title. A beautiful title. A Prince of Peace. This is who this baby is, who is in a manger. And what is remarkable is not just who he is, but think of the place that he's come. Think of what our place looks like, the, the, the place he's stepped into. Yes, the world has been made in perfection and beauty, but something awful has happened as sin has entered the world. And we've brought it in. Sin that brings death and brokenness and pain and isolation and loneliness that rips relationships apart. Sin always has a relational effect. It always separates. It always destroys. And so we live in a world that has beauty. It has loveliness because it's been made that way, but it also experiences very real pain and despair. And it's into these situations that the Lord has stepped. This is where he's come. This is the mystery of Christmas that God has stepped into our place. Jesus has come to our place. Secondly, Jesus has not only come to our place, but he's taken our place. He's taken our place. Um, I've mentioned it before, but I just really enjoyed last week's service. It was really... Uh, really good to, to to be a part of. And one of the elements that I liked was the videos that uh, that Taz had put together and uh, and that the kids had, had done. And it's always interesting as you watch them because if you're connected with one of the children, you just hear what they say in a slightly different way, um, particularly if, if you're the father of one of those children. And uh, and there was this moment where um, the question was, what makes uh, Christmas good news? What happens at Christmas? And Peter is answering. And Peter says, well, we celebrate Christmas because that's when Jesus went to the cross. And they said, oh, no. I always get these confused. That's when he was born. And, uh, and it's all right, Peter, because those are two actually parts of the same story. They're part of the same story. And yes, Jesus was born, but he didn't just come to our place, but he takes our place. He's come to save us. This is what the angel says to the shepherds, uh, Luke's gospel, chapter 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today. In the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I wonder if you caught what the angels said there. They said, good news. A saviour's been born. There's some good news. Into this mess of your place, a saviour has stepped in. See, according to the Bible, the problems that we see around us are because of a problem that there is inside of us. The problems we see around us are caused by sin, and that sin makes its home inside of us. It's, it's us. <laughs> it's in there. I've, no, I've quoted it before, but, but one person is famous for saying, the line that separates good and evil doesn't divide the human race, it divides the human heart. In other words, there aren't good people and bad people. We all have the capacity 
to do something good, but we all have the capacity and often do choose to do what's not good. And this is problem inside us, this sin problem, a, a, a sin which is to go against God, is to decide ourselves what to do, is to, to push away from God. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's a problem for us all and the, the effects of sin always is separation and damage and the consequences of sin are wreaking havoc in our lives and in our world. Isaiah says in Isaiah 59, but your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you. Not only does sin affect us in our relationship with one another, but it severs our relationship with God. It destroys. And what is God's response? God's response to this sin problem isn't to say, all right, here's a 10-step plan and here's what you need to do. His response is, let me come to you. Let me step into your place and let me take your place. Jesus grows up and leads an extraordinary life. As far as we know, he didn't write any music, but thousands upon thousands of songs have been written about his life. As far as we know, he didn't paint any pictures, but millions of of pieces of artwork have been uh, commissioned and, and done to explore who he is and what he's done. He didn't write any books, as we know, but millions of books have been written as we explore who he is. He lived an incredible life, but ultimately, he died in our place. He took the punishment for our sin. He dies that we might live. This is what Peter says, 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And of course, Jesus was too good and too big and too, too God for death to hold him. And he was raised triumphant over darkness, despair and death. Jesus has come to our place and he's taken our place. But the story is actually even bigger and even better than that. He hasn't just come to our place. He doesn't just take our place, but he invites us to his place. <laughs> he invites us to his place. I wonder if you have this experience when you're maybe you're at primary school and uh, you, you kind of start playing with a different friend and you're kind of getting along and you kind of play a bit of football or whatever it is. And then you get to the point in your friendship where one of you says, I want you to come back to my house. Why don't you come back to my house? And you nag your parents until that happens. And, uh, and so um, you, you start seeing somebody, not just in school, but in your home. And although, you know, you might think I'm taking this too far, although I'm sure our childlike minds aren't thinking this way, what's going on there is actually quite beautiful because it's saying, I, I want to spend more time with you. If you want to know me more, then get to know who's at home. Get to know what home is like. And, and as we grow up, actually, I'm not sure that there's anything more beautiful or profound that we do in our relationships as take people back to our house. We, we, we host, we welcome them in. You want to get to know me more. We want to spend more time together. We want to know each other more. Get to know the people at home. Get to know what life's like at home. 
And I don't want this to sound in any way uh, flippant, but but in a, in a sense, this is what God has done to us. It said, not only has he come to our place that he might be with us, not only has he taken our place that he might save us, but he invites us to spend all eternity with him. It says, if you want to know me even more, come back to my place. Think about that for a few minutes. Step into the splendor of all heaven, into perfection where there's no sin, there's no darkness, there's no despair, there's no more crying. Come back to my place because I love you, because I actually want to spend time with you. I want to spend time with you forever. This is the, this is the, the message of the Bible. John says this, John 14, verse uh, 1 to 3, Jesus is talking to his disciples before he goes to the cross. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. It's not bad to think about eternity. I know the phrase, you know, too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. But don't miss out on thinking of what this invitation is. Jesus comes to our place. He takes our place. He invites us back to his. And finally, he can also make our place his place. With all that we've said, God doesn't just say, okay, I I can save you. Now do the best you can on this earth and I'll see you in however many years. He says, actually, I want to come and live in your heart right now. I want to come and make my home in your heart. Paul talks in Ephesians about Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. And actually, we need we need him. We need him because life isn't easy, as, as we know. The trials and temptations, following Jesus isn't easy. Following Jesus isn't easy always. But he says, I can come and make my home in your life. We can journey together. He's not only come to our place to be with us. He takes our place to save us. He invites us to his place forever. And he can make our place his place. This is the good news of Christmas. This is where it intersects with our own story. Whatever is going on, Jesus has come that he might be with us. That he might save us, journey with us, and keep us for all eternity. Here's what we're going to do as we as we close. I, I would like to um, just give a moment or two's quiet. Because I don't think there'll be much of that in the next little while. And I just want you to bring whatever it is that's in your story at the moment, whatever's big in your heart at the moment, and and invite you just to to lay it before the Lord. Just say, Lord, I I want to give this to you. I don't know how you might resolve it. I don't know what you might do in it. That's his business. Let's give it to him. And then I'll pray. And then, and then I'll uh, ask the band if they'll help us by closing the service. Let's just have a moment or two.
Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful, wonderful truth we've just begun to explore this morning. Lord, I thank you that um, we can become a part of your story at any time if we, if we simply um, acknowledge that we're sinful, that there is a problem within us, but that the Lord Jesus died that we might be saved. Thank you that we can um, make that decision any time in any place. And we can begin our adventure with you by just uh, acknowledging our sin, acknowledging the sufficient work of Jesus and inviting you into our, into our lives and deciding that we will follow you. Father, I pray for us this morning. Lord, we just want to give, give all of the, the stuff that we're carrying and we want to give it over to you. Lord, we just can't carry it on our own. We're tired. We're worn. And you invite us to come and to share it with you. And Father, I pray that you'll come into into these situations in our lives. That we'll know sweet fellowship with you. And Father, I pray that by your spirit working in our lives, that you will bring hope, and healing, and perspective, and a future. <clears throat> Father, we pray that, uh, ask again for a fresh filling of your spirit in our lives. And may we carry this wonderful good news wherever we go this week. In Jesus' name, amen.